Second Corinthians chapter 5. We did our declaration from verse 17 to 21. I want you to understand one thing. Everything that we do on the Sunday uh, service, everything that we do on a Sunday service is very precisely thought through. You know, it's not like, oh, we thought of worship, so let's put in worship. And it's not like, oh, we thought of declarations, let's do declarations. Everything that we did, it was... It was very diligently thought through and we sought the help of the Holy Spirit to plan the entire order of service. Everything that happens on a Sunday service happens by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Okay? And I want to tell you, everything that we do, we start with you know, pre-service prayer. We start with prayer, right? We pray for 30 minutes and then we do worship. We worship for 30 minutes. And then we do declarations, we do communion, we do God's word, we do ministry, and then we close. That whole order has been done very intentionally to tell you that this should become a part of your daily life. It should not just be on a Sunday to Sunday. Oh, Sunday I came and I did worship. And I went. Yeah, this is a template, a template of what you can take back home. And you can do this. By yourself, if you're single, by yourself. But if you're married, with your family. You have to take this template, go back home and apply. If you don't apply this, then you'll be a Sunday Christian. Sunday I came and I worship. Now I'm looking for the next Sunday to worship. Everything that we do. Prayer, worship, communion, declaration, word, ministry. Everything that we do on a Sunday should, is a template for you to do it in your daily life from Monday to Saturday. Okay? Don't limit this to a Sunday. If you can take that template and if that can become a lifestyle of how you live your life, you will live, I can guarantee you, you will live a victorious life. You live a victorious life. Anybody feels a failure right now, in the moment, right now? Do you feel a failure? After the prayer, after encountering the Holy Spirit, after worshipping, after experiencing the glory of God, do you feel that you have failed? Do you feel miserable? Do you feel sick in your bones? You can feel the same thing from Monday to Saturday. This is just a demo. Have you seen demos? This is just a trailer of the picture. The real picture starts on Monday morning when you get to office. You have to continue this thing. You have to continue this thing. See, if you intentionally, if you don't put seeds on the ground, what will happen? Intentionally, if you don't do it, what will happen? Weeds will grow. Weeds will grow automatically. So if you don't intentionally put the word of God in your mind, weeds will grow. What are those weeds? You're not enough. Your salary is not enough. Wife is going to complain. She's going to say a lot more. Husband is so irresponsible. Weeds will grow. That's why you have to purposely, before the weeds start growing, you have to put in seeds. The word of God. That's why you begin your day with prayer and word. You're not giving any foothold for the devil to barge in. 
This is spiritual warfare. Spiritual warfare is not, I'm fighting the devil. This is spiritual warfare. That when those negative thoughts come, you fight it with the word of God. But for the Holy Spirit to fight on your behalf, he needs something. No. Give him the word. Soak yourself in the word. So everything that we do, you know, right from prayer, worship, worship is so important. Do you know that? Worship is so important. Prayer, worship, declaration. We want you to do declaration in your life, in your family. That's we did, we did the whole frames thing so that you can put in your house and you can just see whenever you see you declare it over my life. I'm a new creation in Christ. We as a family are a new creation in Christ. Blessed are we in the city. Blessed are we in the fields. Blessed are we wherever we go. Blessed is the fruit of our womb. Blessed is the fruit of our resources. Declare. Why? The spirit of faith speaks. Speaks. Don't limit Sunday to Sundays. Make that as a template for your life. Make that as a template for your life. Even after Sundays, what do we do? We eat. The problem is the only template that you take is eating. Then after, after, after eating, what do we do? We fellowship. Fellowship, eating, worship, every detail of the Sunday that you experience here has to become a template of your daily life. If it becomes, you will not be a loser. Because you're not a loser. Hannah? So make every effort. Amen? Okay. Where was I? 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Yes, come with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. It says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. For all things have passed away. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Wow, new has come. <laughs> Prophetic words. <laughs> the old has passed away. Amen. The new has come. You're a new creation. You're a new creation. Amen. Now, today what I want to talk to you is something that is very foundational. And because it's foundational, we need to hear it again and again. It has to be a reminder. So, before verse 17 comes, verse 16. Yeah? Great. Let's read verse 16. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 16. From now on, therefore we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. 
See, this is one verse that changed my entire perspective of how I saw my life. So what I teach you today should change your perspective of how you see yourself. And then it should change your perspective of how you see others. And then it should change your perspective of how you see your circumstances. How does it begin? It begins with yourself. Change the perspective of how you see yourself, and then how you see others, and then how you see your circumstances. Right? So what does Paul say? He says, from now on, say with me, from now on. From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. We regard no one according to the flesh. Right? Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. What is he talking about? What is Paul talking about? See, when Jesus was on, on the earth, for how long was he here? For how many years? 33 and a half. So 33 and a half, the word became flesh and he was dwelling among us. For 33 and a half. And how many years did Jesus do ministry? Three and a half years. So all the gospel, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, talks about the ministry of Jesus that he did for three and a half years. Paul is saying, you've got a good reference of who Jesus is from his ministry life that happened in the three and a half years. What did he do in the three and a half years? He preached the gospel. He healed the sick. He delivered people who were demon oppressed, right? And he, he spoke peace over people. And Paul is saying, that ministry life of three and a half years, yes, you saw it. Yes, that was your reference point. But you need to start changing your perspective of how you see Christ. What did I tell you today? If your perspective about yourself changes, then the perspective of how you see people changes. And then how you see your situation change. But that begins by you seeing a new perspective in how you see Christ. So Paul is saying that ministry life of Jesus, when he was ministering for three and a half years, that is great, awesome, but that's not how you should see him. Then how should we see him? The entire gospel is about the ministry of Jesus. How should we see him? You should have a bigger revelation. You should have a greater revelation of who that Jesus is. So what happened? What happened from the ministry Jesus to now what Paul is talking about? Say with me, the cross. The cross and the resurrection. The cross and the resurrection changed Jesus completely. Because now he is not in the flesh ministering. He is now on the throne reigning. So it is a cross and the resurrection that changed the ministry life of Jesus that transitioned from his earthly life to his throne life. So for the last 2020 years, Jesus is seated on the throne. He's not going to be seated. He is seated on the throne. He's already seated. And what is he doing? He is reigning. Jesus is seated on the throne, reigning. 
So we have to change our perspective from seeing the ministry tired Jesus who needs to sleep. We have to see our perspective change from that life of Jesus into the life of Jesus who's seated on the throne and who's reigning. We have to change our perspective. That is why Paul says, from now on, therefore we regard no one according to the flesh. And he's giving an example. Till now you regarded Christ according to the flesh, but now you regard him no longer. That should not be your reference point. Did Jesus heal? Yes. Is it good? Awesome. But that's not our reference point today. Our reference point is of Jesus who is seated on the throne. Far above. Every power, every rule, every authority, every name, every dominion, that's who Jesus is. Okay? Did you get it? Now, what is the event that changed Adam? What is the event that changed Adam? God told him, you can eat from any tree. But don't eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Somehow, we also are also focused on one thing that our parents didn't say. Huh? Children are like that, no? You can do everything, but don't do this. That's the exact thing that they will do. Anyways, so Adam was told, Adam and Eve were told, you can eat from any tree, but don't eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Now, what happened? The the moment they ate from the tree of knowledge of good and evil, did God go far or did they go far? That's the difference. Okay, so come with me to Genesis chapter 3 verse 8. Genesis 3 verse 8. Online folks, I want to say that I see you guys. I'm so blessed that you guys are here. And I believe that you're going to have an amazing time. Amen. Okay, Genesis 3 verse 8. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. So they could hear God. Okay, they could hear God. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God. See, sin does not separate God from you. Sin separates you from God. There's a big difference. There's a big difference. Understand this. It's very subtle, but it's, it's huge. Sin does not separate God from you, but sin separates us from God. So when man and woman sinned, God did not run away, hide behind the trees. Who ran away when God approached? Man. What does sin do? Sin separates you from God. But the thing is, sin does not just separate you from God. There's, there's more that sin does, okay? Uh, just come, that same chapter, which one is that? Oh, where, he, where Adam talks about the woman that you gave. Which verse? 20, okay. Genesis chapter 3 verse 20. Not 20, 12. Genesis chapter 3 verse 12. The man said, the woman whom you... Gave to be with me. See, understand this. When God created Adam, right? After that, he, he thought that it was not good for him to be alone. So he created Eve. How did he create Eve? From his rib. Now, Adam was sleeping. 
when he woke up, he saw women. Right? What's the first thing that comes out of his mouth? Bone of my bones, flesh of my flesh. The most romantic thing that he could ever think of at that time. Okay, give him grace. Bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. What is he saying? You are mine. You are mine. By saying that, he's saying you are mine. See, before that, there's an incident where God says that it is not good for man to be alone and he brings all the animals. When he brings all the animals, he says, this is dog, this is elephant, this is lion, this is, uh, this is a zebra, this is a hippopotamus. <laughs> right? <laughs> but for none of these animals did he find, you know, did he find a companion. For none of these animals, he said, this is mine. He didn't, he didn't say for any of those animals. But when he saw woman, he said, Bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh, you are mine. But after they sinned, when God tells him, why did you eat this? What did he say? The woman that you gave me. Now he doesn't say the bone of my bone, the flesh of my flesh. He doesn't say that. He says the woman that you gave me. So understand this. Sin not only separates you from God, sin separates you from people. Did you get it? The reason why you fight in the house, married couple counseling, the reason why you fight in the house is because of sin, because sin separates you from people. Got it? So sin does not just separate you from God, sin also separates you from people. Thirdly, sin also separates you from your circumstances, giving you a very negative impression leading to death. Let me explain. A moment something happens, okay, like for example, a moment my phone falls down, what's the first thing that I'm thinking? Oh, the phone is broken. Right? Nobody thinks, oh, I'm getting a new iPhone. <laughs> Nobody thinks like that. Why? Because sin gives you negative perspective about the circumstances. So sin gives you a negative impression about God, gives you a negative impression about people, and gives you a negative impression about your circumstances. Are you getting this? So, I brought these glasses. <laughs> so if I wear them, Do I look good? Okay. Wow. If I wear them, what I see is what I see through this. Right? So, in spite of what the true reality is, okay, what I will see <laughs> is through the glass. So, for example, you know, this, the color that I see right now is blue. But because I'm wearing the dark glasses, what I see is darker. Everything is darker. So my perception of truth has been tainted by what I see through. Sin is like a lens. Sin is like a lens. So when you wear sin and you see God, you're like, God, He's so angry at me. He's so far away. He's so distant. And when you see your husband and wife, you're like, 
maybe he doesn't like me maybe i did not cook better today maybe i'm not doing enough you know that's what you feel about people and when you see your circumstances when the phone falls down oh my phone is gone it hasn't gone yet you have a negative impression about circumstance so this sin gives you a negative impression not just about god it gives you a negative impression of people and of the circumstances do you get it that's why listen to this very carefully that's why when jesus was on the cross he took sin upon himself okay um um okay i need one volunteer i need one volunteer who has specs uh someone who has specs sneha can you come yeah no no sneha can help you okay come here guys this is sneha yeah okay so could you could you give me your specs can you see without the specs okay okay so imagine i'm jesus okay just for the time being and and this is humanity humanity has been wearing the the lens of sin for a long time so what humanity sees is separated from god what humanity sees is separated from people and a negative impression of everything that is happening that is sin right so even when god says hey i love you i'm concerned about your life humanity is like scared cannot believe what god says that's why see because we are wearing that lens that's why the bible says in john chapter 1 that no one has seen god truly because all of these people moses david joshua gideon all of these people who saw god saw god through that lens and because they saw god through that lens they did not get the real picture Okay no one has seen god the only one who has seen god is jesus right so jesus sees god and he comes in the flesh and he says oh guys do you know that you have a loving father and all the people are like loving father what god is a god of wrath god is a god of anger let's call down fire from heaven because that's what you can see when you see through that lens you see an angry god you see a god of wrath and punishment and justice that's all that you can see that is what sin will tell you do you know that the lens that you wear that sin the lens of sin it talks to you as it shows you because when adam sinned god asked adam who told you that you were naked sin talks to you what you wear talks to you and you think oh this is what i'm seeing this is my truth this is my reality but sin is talking to you so now jesus is on the cross right he's on the cross oh my goodness he's on the cross oh, i might have an headache he's on the cross he sees god the father perfect right that nothing is separating from him nothing separates him from him why because he has a perfect picture of god this is called the righteousness of god he sees the perfect picture of god that god is whole 
God loves him. God has accepted him. God cares for him. God, concern, God is concerned for him. And everything that God has for him is his. So he sees God through the lens of righteousness and he's like, wow, I am living, I'm enjoying life, man. This is so good. So he could be in the wilderness. He's rejoicing. Why? The circumstances don't define him. He could be on the mountain where people are trying to throw him off the cliff. He's not scared. Why? Because he knows that he is who God is and who he is because he's seeing through the righteousness of God. Are you getting this? Okay. Now, when he's on the cross, put snails on the frame. When he's on the cross, okay? When he's on the cross, right? When he's on the cross, what happens is he takes the sin of mankind. When he takes the sin of mankind, an exchange happens. What's the exchange? He gives our, his lens to ours and he takes humanity's lens upon himself. Now when he has a humanity's lens, now he has a lens of sin. Now when he looks at God, he's like, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Do you get it? Because he sees God through that lens, he says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? See, God did not forsake Jesus. Because God does not separate himself from us because of sin. He does not. We separate ourselves. So because Jesus saw, oh my. Because Jesus saw separation, what happened? The moment he saw through the lens of sin, he spoke separation. My God, my God, why have you? forsaken me. Now how do I know this? How do I know that God did not separate himself from Jesus? Read with me Psalms 22. Thank you. Read with me Psalms 22. Psalms 22 is a psalm written by David thousands of years ago before Jesus came. So he's writing prophetically. And see what's the first verse. Psalms 22 verse 1. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? So Jesus, what he's saying on the cross, he's exactly quoting David. Because he's telling his audience, hey, this is, Psalms 22 is exactly what I'm feeling. See, in the Hebrew culture, you say one portion of the verse, they will know the entire chapter because they were expected to remember the entire Old Testament. Just like, you know, nowadays we don't remember Bible, but we remember songs. So we say, one way, and everybody like, Jesus, we know the entire song. Just because someone sang one word of the lyric, we know the entire song. Just like that, the Hebrew people, if you say two or three words, they will know the entire chapter that you're referencing. Because Psalms are songs for them. So when Jesus said, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? They exactly knew that they were talking, Jesus was talking about Psalms 22. Got it? So Psalms 22 is a prophetic Psalm written by David on how the Savior would feel when he's on the cross. So it's telling the experience of the Savior. Verse 1, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me from the words of my groaning? Now read verse 6, okay? I'm jumping because we don't have time. Verse 6, but I'm a worm 
and not a man scorned by mankind and despised by the people because when you wear sin this is what you feel you are scorned you you don't feel that you're a man you're a worm you feel that you're despised by the people right verse 8 he trusts in the lord that's what people say people are saying that he trusts in the lord let him deliver him let him rescue him for he delights in him that is what the people were saying about jesus he trusts in the lord let god deliver him and he's saying this is what people are saying about me verse 16 let's jump verse 16 for dogs encompass me a company of evil doers encircles me they have pierced my hands and feet do you know when david was writing the psalm they did not even have the concept of the cross so how did he write about the piercing of the hands and feet he was writing prophetically this is the experience of jesus on the cross and he saying when i took upon sin he who knew no sin when he became sin this is what jesus feeling he feels rejected he feels dejected he feels alone he feels sick he feels surrounded by enemies that's what jesus is feeling now see verse 24 this is the turning point of the sam verse 24 for he has not despised or abhorred the affliction of the afflicted the psalmist is talking about god okay god has not despised the affliction of the afflicted and listen to this and god has not hidden his face from him but has heard when he cried to him god did not turn his face because the bible says he did not hide his face from him but heard him when he cried to him from there the entire psalms turns from being negative to positive do you know how you are saved you are saved not by your faith you are saved by the faith of jesus why did jesus need faith because when he was on the cross when he became sin when sin was speaking to him telling him god is angry at you you are far away from god god does not care about you because you're a sinner you're alone you're rejected you are sick and enemies have surrounded you jesus believed in the goodness of god he believed that my god does not hide my face from me and he will hear me when i call to him So in between he said my god my god why have you forsaken me do you know he never used the word god to address god he always said father father because i never call my father pastor wergis thomas i'll always call him father father but in that moment of vulnerability he said my god my god why have you forsaken me but he believed in the goodness of god more than what he felt more than what he experienced more than what he saw through the lens of sin he believed in the goodness of god he believed that god had not turned his face away from me and he will hear me and he defeated while he was doing this he defeated sin through that by his faith we are saved Jesus required faith on the cross. How do you know that? Because in the end 
He says, Father, I give you my spirit. He completely destroyed the power of sin. Destroyed the perspective that the sin was saying. He said, Father, I give you my spirit. Sin is an illusion that can limit you, that can keep you in bondage. When, I, when I'm talking about sin, I'm not talking about the actions of sin. The actions of sin are the fruit of sin. The actions of sin are lying, jealousy, mental oppression, sickness. Uh, what, what else is the fruit of sin? Sexual immorality. All of those are the fruit of sin. The root of sin is an illusion that you're separated from God. The root of sin is lie that you're separated from God. And because sin gives you an illusion that you're separated from God, when you see people, you feel distant. When you see your circumstances, you have a negative impression. But what did Jesus do? He became sin for us so that the lens that he had, now we have. Now the lens that we have is not the lens of sin. We have the lens of righteousness. Read 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. He who knew no sin became sin for us. Oh, pastor, this is so good, but how, how do I know? This sounds so illogical that how could I become the righteousness of God without doing anything? If Jesus could become sin without doing anything, then you and me could become the righteousness of God. He who knew no sin became sin so that we might become the righteousness of God. God is not separate from you. God is not far away from you. God has not hidden his face away from you. You are the righteousness of God. You're the righteousness of God. Amen. Now come to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 16. From now on, therefore we regard no one according to the flesh. What do you mean you should not regard anyone according to the flesh? Paul is saying you should see the spiritual. Forget the outward appearance. Forget what they are wearing. Forget their outward behavior. Look at what is happening in the spiritual. Right? So for example, you know, I am talking to Ashish. And he is bad mouth. Paul is saying, do not regard anyone according to the flesh. I have to see beyond what I see in the physical. I have to see the spiritual. I have to see how God sees him. How does God see him? So God sees him righteous even when he's bad mouth. God sees him holy. God sees him chosen. God sees him redeemed. God sees him that there's no separation. That's how God sees him. So if we can see how God sees people, our lives will be changed. Or even if we see ourselves, how God sees us, our lives will be changed. So how do you see yourself as God sees? 
how do you see in the spiritual do i close my eyes pastor and the holy spirit when he opens my eyes again then i'll see the spiritual no is it like i'll have a third eye that will open up and then i'll see the spiritual no how do you see the spiritual is a very simple mystery do you want it do you want to see the spiritual okay you see the spiritual through the cross you see in the natural with your natural eyes but you put the cross as your lens so whatever you see you see through the cross so now when i see ashish when i see him through the cross right if i remove the cross ashish is bad mount ashish needs help with his vocabulary ashish needs help but when i put the cross as my lens i see what god sees i see ashish is redeemed ashish is chosen ashish is completely set free how do you see what god sees through the cross how do you see yourself through the cross how do you see your circumstances through the cross because what does the cross say cross says everything has been redeemed when jesus died on the cross and he said it is finished he meant it and he said everything in your life has been redeemed everything in your life has been redeemed your fear of finances has been redeemed your overthinking has been redeemed mental oppression has been redeemed depression has been redeemed everything jealousy has been redeemed a lot of people suffer through jealousy in the church jealousy has been redeemed bad intention has been redeemed so if you can see yourself through the cross you see how god sees you oh but i i am struggling with negative emotions and i have negative thoughts but that is not who you are that's not how god sees you see how god sees you how does god sees you he sees you i'm the righteousness of god oh but this woman you know this this volunteer in the church oh i can i can deal with anything but this person is like he's impossible see them through the cross you will see that they are chosen for a greater purpose how do you see yourself see through the cross how do you see other people see through the cross how do you see your circumstances see through through the cross that everything is redeemed that's why when my when my phone falls down i don't say oh my goodness my phone broke i say oh thank you jesus i'm getting a new phone because it's a new perspective that you have in your life you know you're driving the car and somebody bangs you from behind you did nothing somebody just bangs you and your whole your tail light is gone you praise god god thank you for giving me new tail light so you're giving me a new car you don't get angry why because you've been redeemed your perspective has been redeemed so when that husband of yours is being absolutely irresponsible look at them through the cross and he is redeemed i believe in the name of jesus he is redeemed when the wife is putting too much salt you look at the food and say this has been redeemed in the blood of jesus amen see i'm giving you a key how do you see in the spiritual how do you see in the spiritual is seeing in the natural but through the lens of the cross you you're not closing your eyes 
oh god give me a vision about her <laughs> you're seeing in the natural but you're seeing through the perspective of the cross because the cross says it is finished finished once and for all it's done it's a done deal it's taken care of so when you look at your bank balance how should you see okay when you look at your spouses how should you see amen when you when you when you look at your children how should you see <laughs> okay so when you see through the cross you know that everything has been redeemed everything has been redeemed jesus has redeemed it once and for all that's why paul says we regard no one according to the flesh and then the next verse he says therefore if anyone is in christ he is a new creation so unless you don't see yourself through the cross even though you're a new creation you will behave like the old one you getting this unless you don't see yourself through the cross through the cross and resurrection of what jesus has done you will see the old you it's like it's very simple unless you don't see jesus through the cross you will not see jesus lifted high you will only see the ministry jesus which is good enough but not good enough for me i want the jesus who is far above every power every rule and every authority when i see when i see myself through the cross i also see that same image of jesus that i see far above every power every rule every authority and i'm seated with christ at the right hand of god so how do you see in the spiritual through the cross cross has become a lens for us that's what paul says in 1 corinthians 1:18 for the message of the cross is foolishness it is foolishness Oh, it is foolishness for people who think from here so don't think from here gospel is not for the intellectual gospel is for the spiritual there are three kinds of people new testament talks about okay you decide which kind of person you are the first one is the natural man the second one is a carnal man the third one is the spiritual man do you know what's the difference between the natural man the spiritual man and the carnal man i thought the natural and the carnal meant the same but it's not there's a natural man there's a carnal man and then there's a spiritual man who's a natural man a natural man is those are those who cannot understand spiritual things because spiritual things are discerned spiritually so natural man are those people are worldly people who don't know jesus who don't have the holy spirit in them who are the natural man who don't have the holy spirit in them who are carnal men carnal men are those who have the holy spirit in them but they have not exercised their spiritual senses carnal men have the holy spirit in them but they haven't exercised their spiritual sense so you're baby christians carnal man you're led by the flesh oh i feel this pastor i feel i feel rejected 
Pastor, that woman always troubles me. Pastor, I feel this. It's carnal, man. Because you, you are saying what you feel. People of feeling, people of experience are carnal men. Spiritual men are those who have trained their spiritual senses, right? Who have trained their spiritual senses to walk beyond what they see. To walk beyond what they feel. For the just shall live by faith. We don't walk by sight. We walk by faith. So spiritual man is a people who can walk beyond all that they can see in the natural. Because it's not like they're closing their eyes and walking. But they are in the natural. But they're seeing it through the lens of the cross. So in the natural, everything changes. Without the cross, oh, this guy needs help. Through the cross, he has been redeemed. So how do you move from being a carnal to spiritual? Is by exercising your senses to see through the cross. Let me give you some references. You know, you don't seem convinced. Hebrews chapter 5. Hebrews chapter 5 verse 14. Okay, let's read from verse 13. Hebrews chapter 5 verse 13. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness. Who needs milk? Babies need milk. Baby Christians need milk. And what's the milk? They are unskilled in the word of... What is the word of righteousness? The message of the cross. So because they haven't trained their spiritual senses, right, to see through the cross... The only that they see is in the natural and in the flesh. Those are carnal people. Because they don't see through the cross, all they see is negative. Oh, this guy is bad. Oh, this guy is also bad. Oh, my goodness. Oh, ho, ho. everything is bad. But when you see through the cross, everything is redeemed, right? Next verse. Verse 14. But solid food is for the mature. Solid food is for the mature, for those who have the powers of discernment trained by constant practice. You hear the word? Constant practice. So this message of righteousness, you heard it once and you think you know righteousness? My goodness. Constant practice. To distinguish between good and evil. See, I learned driving, the concepts of driving in a day. But it took me almost three weeks to get my hands right. And my legs, the coordination between my hands and legs. It took me almost three years to become an expert. How did I become an expert? By practicing what I learned that one day. The problem with Christians, they remain baby Christians. They become 70 years old, but still they are baby Christians because they don't practice. If you practice, how do you practice? That whenever I see somebody, I see them through the cross. When I, whenever I see myself, I see them, I see myself through the cross. If I hear something, I hear it through the cross. Everything around me is the lens of cross. So whatever comes to me as an experience, as a perspective, I filter it out through the cross. That's how you move from being carnal to spiritual. You move to maturity. 
See, that's why anything that happened as a problem that you see in the physical, you don't see Jesus getting scared. Right? Because he saw through the righteousness of God. He saw the perfect picture. So, yeah, this is a problem. Yeah, great. God will multiply. To have that perspective, to train yourself to have that perspective, you have to see everything through the cross. You have to see everything through the cross. Imagine with me for a moment. Jesus, he does his ministry for three and a half years. Do you know that on the cross, none of his disciples were there except John? None of them. How many people ate those bread and fish that were multiplied? The Bible says 5,000 men. So they were women also and they were children. None of them were there at the cross. See, if I was there on the cross, I, if I was Jesus, I was there on the cross, I would be thinking, man, my life is such a failure. My starting of the ministry was so great. But now look at me. Where am I? I'm no one. I'm no one. Think about it. My clothes have been taken off me. I'm struck. Nobody would dare touch me three years ago, but look at me where I am. He could have gone into a whole trail of negative thoughts, a downward spiral. He could have done that. But he does not do that. Why? Because he sees God as God sees him. That's why the Bible says in Hebrews that for the greater joy that was set before him, for what he saw, he endured the cross. So I'm saying when you see people, when you see yourself, when you see the circumstances through the cross, you will see greater joy. So in the moment this person is in the moment, this person is difficult. In the moment, it feels like this person is impossible. In the moment, this person is bad mouth. But you see the greater joy. And you endure it for the moment because you know that God has redeemed them. Amen. That is, that is walking by faith. You walk by faith completely by seeing everything through the perspective of the cross. See everything through the cross, and the cross says it is finished. It is finished. You might be struggling through a sickness that you've been struggling from a very long time, but if you see through the cross, you're completely healed. You you are waiting for a promotion that God released a word over your life for a very long time, but through the cross, it has already been released. So you live your life through the cross as if it has already been done. Why? Because the cross says it's done. It's taken care of. It's not going to happen. It's done. It's done. It's a done deal. Amen? So how do you see in the spiritual? Through the cross. You don't close your eyes. Keep your eyes open. But through the cross. Because the cross changes your perspective. Not just your perspective of yourself. Changes the perspective of how you see people. And how you see your circumstances. Amen. Are you guys blessed? Yeah. Amen.